0: A number of years ago, I was younger um, and there 's some point that you start to get into into your head that you 're not just aging you 're getting older and when when we started into one, I was younger and when, when, I, when I started in ministry, I was younger still and when you're when you 're very young you you have this um, concern for being older. You, you get worried about what that's going to be like. And because we have a culture that's very youth-centric, that uh, when, you're, when you're young, things are good. When you're old, you're lame. And you, you don't know exactly when lame starts, but you don't want to get too close to it, right? You're very nervous about that. But one, one of the things that I have learned over time is that when I was younger, I had no idea what it was like to look back on something for 20 years. I couldn't do that. And, and at that time, I'd why, why would I care, right? I mean, who cares about that stuff? I'm living right now and I'm awesome. But a, a, as I get older, I, I'm, I'm more able to track history. And, and what I like about history is stories. I love stories. I just love them. I like learning from them. I like being um, able to see myself change over time. And I like to be able to look back on my own story as well and see how God has worked and moved and, and changed and transformed me and opened doors for me and allowed me to go through hard things and showed himself faithful. And, and the longer I live, the more chances I can tell you that I found my God faithful in real things. When, when, I, was, when I was 16, I didn't have very many stories about how God had been faithful for me faithful to me for my whole life. There just weren't that many stories. It hadn't happened yet. What what I appreciate so much about the outflow month, this idea of mission that we tie into out of the overflow of our heart, out out of the overflow, um, the heart speaks. And Jesus interacting in our life, the more you are filled with that Jesus' time, the more your whole life starts to outflow in Jesus-influenced areas. And and, and the more years you've put in, there's the more opportunity for Jesus to have influenced you over that time. And I would never promise you a safe passage through those times, a safe God who stands with you, but never safe problem-free years. I absolutely love the way that our God has decided to partner with us. It seems inefficient. It seems unwise. You know you. You know what you've done. Are you the best choice that he could have made? And yet he did. He chose to partner with us. And the longer that we are alive, the more we are able to see that work interweave and overlap. Stories that we didn't think related overlap. And Today we have a speaker. His name is Jeff. I knew Jeff when he was still in high school. And I've told you part of my story in the past that my first year of Bible school went bad and I got into a significant car accident. And um, for the summer after that year, I was pretty close to depression, with thoughts of suicide and wanting to get out. And my youth pastor told me, Graham, I want you to come in and, and work with our students. And I said, no, you, no, you really don't. I'm, I'm not in a good place. I, I prefer to be in another place, but I'm not in a good place right now. And I thought it was entirely about what I had to give, that my uh, talents, that my treasures, that my time was valuable, and I could graciously grant it to another person. Wouldn't that be nice of me? And so I said, I don't want to do it. He kept pushing me. You got to do it. Come in. I want you to help. And so I said, fine, with a great attitude, fine. I'll come. I'll do it. And I started to participate, and I started to help, and I met students that were there, and I told them stories about what it was like when I was at Bible school, from my experience, and I didn't find my stories to be compelling, yet somehow they did. Somehow, when I was saying these are things that happened to me in the darkest part of my life, they, they didn't hear that. They heard a different message, same voice, God using me, and they increasingly said, I Think we'd like to go? And not out loud, I said, Why? Why would you do that? And what I started to see as I spent some more time with these students is that they were impacting me very much. I was the leader, but I was the one getting educated. Or maybe we both were at the same time because that's how my God works. He works in partnership with us sometimes when we mean it and sometimes when we're just swept up in it. And I got swept up in it. And as I recovered that year and came back, I saw their energy and their enthusiasm that said, I want to go. I want to be part. It impacted me. It aided in my healing so that I wanted to go back. And so we drove out to Saskatchewan together very much as equals, going back in earnest pursuit of our God. And that is now probably just about 30 years ago. And there was a time when I wouldn't want to tell you that anything happened to me 30 years ago because that means I'm old. But now I realize... I have relationships that I got to interact with. I have evidence that God was involved in my life through other people. And I have the privilege of still having relationship with some of those people. And they remind me that God has been faithful no longer for six months. Not a year. Not a decade. Decades are mine, my stories, my God interacting, using me, directing me, partnering with me to make a difference in other people's lives. And that is part of the story why I want to say I want to welcome Jeff to come because Jeff was one of those students who opened a door for me when I thought doors were closed. I don't even know if he meant to. That's just what happens when we decide that we're going to work in partnership with God. And then later on in my ministry career, in between some other ministries, when things got dark again, Jeff came out and he said, hey, Graham, why don't you come and help me? Why don't you come and do this? And at a time when I needed encouragement but was absolutely not going to ask for it, I received it. It helped me on my journey. The only way that I got here is by going through what I went through there. And I am glad that my God has been faithful to me, not just for 30 years, but for so many more years than that. And so into this story, this web of interrelationships, I I want you to to have some sort of context about um, this person who comes before you and what we have shared together. And he'll probably say nothing about any of this. But it's important that you know the story. And it's important for me to remember the story. And to thank Jeff. Would you now please in fine into one style. Maybe not game showy, but let's make him feel (laughs) welcome when we come in. Come on up, Jeff. (laughs)
1: Thanks, man. Wow, it is an honor to be here. I have, for a number of years, been hearing Graham's story and what was happening in Stouffville, hearing about this building, and everything that was going on, and the new venture, and the church plant, and I've seen pictures, but it is my first time ever actually setting foot in here, and it is wonderful. It's wonderful to see this great congregation devoted to God. It was wonderful to be part of the worship, because you can tell, um, you know, sometimes you're at a church and worship's happening and there's not much noise, but here you definitely hear people love God. They're embracing God and they're singing and it is beautiful. So I just want to, I want to thank you. Thank you for having me here today. Um, and so it's kind of funny because Graham was talking a little bit about some of the tough times that he's gone through in the past and And if I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of walking through a situation like that myself. I used to work at Toronto Alliance Church. Uh, You've been hearing a lot about Toronto Alliance Church lately. In fact, we live about a three-minute walk from Toronto Alliance Church. I basically had almost every role you can have in ministry at Toronto Alliance Church. I stepped in doing something I never thought I'd do, children's ministry, when the children's pastor went on maternity leave. I did that for a few months and then stepped into youth and young adult and then eventually into church planting there. And long story short, that church plant, we had to shut it down. And at that moment, it just became clear my time at TAC was finished. Um, And then for the past number of years, just been really trying to figure things out. It's been a time of definitely being humbled. It's been a time of learning. God's been teaching new things, but I think most of all, I think more than anything, what God's been wanting to do in this time is to (laughs) bring me to the point where I'm throwing myself on Him in in a new way, pursuing Him in a way that I never have before. And there's still so far to go. I am a notoriously slow learner, and it's been taking a long time. Um, But anyway. So a number of months ago, Graham offered me the opportunity to come this month and share during this this outflow month, talking about uh, the idea of mission and how each of us can have a role in what God is doing in the world. And at first, you know, I thought, hey, you know, we got I got a few things I can I can talk about. But as time started getting closer and closer, I you know, I started struggling a bit. Like, what what am I gonna really talk about? What am I gonna focus on? And we'll get to that in a minute. But before that, I was meditating or just thinking a little bit about the question that Graham had emailed me: What has God done in you that has inspired you to go and do or go and be? And if I'm going to be honest, if I'm really going to answer that question, I need to go back 30 years. Uh, Sure, God has encouraged me, met with me, so forth in the past while, but everything started uh, in that time that Graham was talking about, when I was in grade 12. And so just so you know, kind of what pushed me to want to be involved in what God's doing in the world, it started in grade 12. And I had grown up in the church. My parents had stopped attending church. There was a split at the church we were going to, and after that split, they just stopped attending, and the whole family just had very little to do with church. But in grade 12, a girl who I had a bit of a crush on became a Christian, and she started a lunchtime Bible study at our high school. And one day, she just said, hey, Jeff, do you want to come out and attend this Bible study? And I wish I could say it was like, yes, Bible, I want to go study. But no, it was probably more her that drew me out. And so I went, and I started going. And so every second day, we would meet up at someone's house, and we were reading through Scripture, learning about Scripture. And then shortly after that, she... um, Actually, before that, this is more important. Um, One of the things that she introduced me to through this Bible study was the music of a guy named Keith Green. And you've probably all heard of Keith Green. But in all honesty, like I was, you know, in high school, I was like the football player. I played hockey. I was into sports. And when you think of Keith Green, you might not think, well, it's the kind of music that your, your jock really is going to dive into. But she played one of his songs for us at one of these Bible studies, the Prodigal Son Suite, this 11-minute long song. And it hit me hard. It hit me hard. And I had to go out and start buying his music. So I bought his first collection. It had you know the music from his first like, two, three years of ministry. And then as we were about to go on a family vacation over March break, I ran to Mitchell's, the local Christian bookstore, and bought the second uh, group of CDs and, and brought it in the, in the van with me. And I sat in the back, and there's a little booklet in it. I started reading through the booklet, And as I'm going through the booklet, uh, I hit this article that Keith Green had written. A very basic title, Why You Should Be a Missionary. Okay? So I read through it. And as I was reading what he was saying about people in the world dying without the knowledge of Christ, people without the salvation that God offers, it broke me. And I knew at that moment that... The plans that I had had for the future had to be set aside, and I needed to pursue this, bringing people to Christ, pointing people to Christ. There, nothing felt more important to me at that moment. And before that car ride was done, my future had been changed. My plans had been changed. Um, and so it was from that that I ended up learning about Canadian Bible College, where Graham where Tony... Uh, where we all went together. So that was that's one key thing that keeps driving me. The, the way that that article hit me. That the knowledge that people so desperately need the gospel. That we as the church have the message that the world needs. The message that's more important than, than any other message. That keeps bringing me back to the desire to want to live for him. Um. Other things happened too, so Noriko invited, that's the name of the girl, sorry, you can bleep that out, um, but she invited, me, she invited me out to, <laughs> anyway, she invited me out to church, and, uh, and through the church started going to youth group, and the youth pastor there, uh, as Graham was talking about, um, did some amazing things, and he, I think he really wanted a number of us to go off to Bible college, to at least, you know, grow for, for a year, if not head into ministry. And so he got us involved in ministry, even in high school. So it gave us the opportunity to lead Bible studies at youth group. Um, and so there, there was that opportunity. But then another thing that kind of helps me stay in ministry was at the end of my grade 13 year, uh, there was going to be this youth service on a Sunday night. And he was getting all of us involved, and, and for some reason he asked me to, to preach that night. And so I started working through this passage that I wanted to speak on, had all these ideas. And I remember even uh, Graham was there. We went to a pizza hut for lunch one day. Pizza hut was like his go-to for taking youth out because it was an all-you-can-eat buffet, and you know you get most of your money with these boys with you know hollow legs, as Sarah was talking about. And, and sitting there, I remember just with the two of them, with Graham and with, with Gary talking about the, this sermon. Anyway, so long story short, we, we, we get through it, prepare the sermon. I, I go up and I, I start delivering it that night. And, and the, the pastor, the senior pastor at Toronto Alliance Church, Ross Ingram, was sitting there in the audience that night, a man very well known in our denomination. And, and I remember throughout the sermon, I didn't move my hands. I moved my hand once, held on to this the whole time. It lifted them to make two points. This, this, but the whole time I would every so often I'd look over at Ross Ingram, and he had this kind of serious gaze on his face, almost terrifying. Like, what? Am I doing a bad? Am I saying bad things? So there was this nervousness when I kept looking at him and seeing this face that I'd almost consider puzzled. But but fortunately, it wasn't. And after the sermon, he came up and he gave me this this word of encouragement that's driven me to keep pursuing ministry, keep pursuing. Uh, pastoral ministry and preaching and stuff like that. So that's another thing that that, that really hit me and helped me help me keep going. So this this Bible study that that brought me back into the church. This article by Keith Green that that set my heart on fire with this desire to lead people into the kingdom, and then this practical all these practical opportunities brought to me when I was in youth group to to get involved in ministry. There are things that even now uh, help me keep going, help inspire me to keep going out and, and doing and being. And so for a number of years, I have worked in churches. I was at a Taiwanese church for a while, a Chinese church for a while as the English pastor. Then at Toronto Alliance Church, as I said, and that time ended. Um, and then we hit this, this confusing period, I guess, where... Um, you know, just trying to figure things out. So I ended up taking a job at, at our kids' school. i have been cooking lunches there um, while this is going on. And uh, another t- church downtown, Toronto uh, Community Alliance Church, invited me to come on staff as a, uh, just in a volunteer position for a while. So I was doing that through the pandemic, helping to lead the university group and so forth. So they, they gave me the opportunity to keep being involved and stuff. Um but anyway, long story short, as I was thinking about what I wanted to do today, I, I, I want to spend a little while talking about not so much pastoral type of ministry stuff, but what's more on my heart for today is to talk about the kind of things that anyone can do as they want to serve God where they're living things that anyone can pick up, anyone can, can step into. And to do that, I'm going to be talking a little bit about myself for sure, but there's a group of us downtown who, are, who want to see God's kingdom grow, who want to see God's kingdom come. And, and a number of us do different things. And so there's a lot of overlap in the stuff that we do, but I want to talk about some of the people in this group because there are some beautiful, powerful stories of, of ways that anyone can just step into what God is doing. And, and to help walk through that, I'm going to use a passage from Acts 16. It's Acts 16. I'm going to start at verse 25. And the first verse from Acts 16, verse 25, um, and before this, just so you know, Paul and Silas, who we're going to meet here, they were just arrested. They made some trouble in the city that they were in. They, They cast this demon out of this slave girl, made the owners mad. The owners had these guys arrested. They were beaten. They were put in jail. And we end up here in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And it strikes me here that in the midst of... (laughs) They're in jail. They were just beaten. They're in the inner jail. Their feet are in stocks. And what do they do? You might think they'd sit there complaining. You might think they'd try and close their eyes and take a nap. But no, what do they do? They pray. (laughs) Like, how many of us do that? In the midst of tough times, their eyes go where? Not to themselves, not to their own, you know, not to complain and grumble, but they turn to God. They start crying out to God. They they start praying to God. And not only praying, but, but worshiping. Right In tough times, when life's not going well, it's not always easy to worship. We don't always ha- have an easy time thinking of God as good when life isn't peachy, but they worship. Well, one of the simple things that we've done downtown is we've created this little prayer group, and all we do is we use WhatsApp, and we... we <laughs> So there are a number of us who are on it. So one, uh, it kind of centered around the school that our kids used to go to. So one of them's a teacher at that school. And this teacher goes to Toronto Alliance Church, and he sees it as his calling to stay at this particular school. It's a school that's had a number of problems. It's in a community where there, there's social housing, there have been gang issues and so forth. But he sees himself as called by God to be there serving in that school. So he's in the group. Andrew, who is the pastor of Compassionate Ministries at Toronto Alliance Church, he's, he's in the group. I um, have a couple friends who uh, go to Knox Church downtown, known them for a number of years. They're, they're in the group. Anyway, a number of people in that group. And what we do is we have, every day has kind of a different topic and we'll post some things to pray for. And then we take the time to throw requests in our community or in our personal lives or for our families or for our friends to bring this up to God because we believe that we have a God who's not only our father but the all-powerful creator of the universe and if we want to see things happening in this world we believe that we need to be leaning on God crying out to God our God changes things our God saves people our God heals people our God still does miracles And so, one of the most simple things that we can do downtown is just to create a prayer group of people in a similar situation wanting to see the same things where we can throw out these requests. Who are the people that you're regularly praying with, that you're sharing what's going on in your life and your family life with? Anyway, the passage goes on. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And we see here that when it was possible to be selfish, Paul and Silas demonstrated kindness. Now, what does that mean? In Roman law, if a Roman guard were to allow prisoners to escape, whatever sentence those prisoners were supposed to receive would be put upon the Roman guard. So he thinks that that's it. He, he, he's afraid for his life, so he takes out his sword. He's going to kill himself. What could Paul have done? Paul, they could have run after this earthquake. They could have hidden until the... Soldier killed himself and then snuck out. They could have thought only about themselves and their own freedom, but instead, what do they do? They would yell out, Stop, wait, hold on. Don't do it. They showed kindness when they could have easily been selfish. And I want to talk quickly about two women downtown. Uh, one of them is my wife, one is one of our good friends. and when I think about them, these are two women who show incredible kindness when they could rather just choose to be selfish. And one of them shows this kindness in particular by casting a wide net. The other one shows kindness by casting a deep net. What do I mean by that? So my wife, her passion in life is to bring people together. She has a heart for community, to pull people, particularly people who are on you know, the outskirts of society and try and pull them in to relationship, try to give them a safe place. And so early on, uh, shortly after our, our second born was born, she created a, a group for, um, for new moms that would meet up, you know, two, three times a week, just giving this safe place for, for moms to hang out. That was one thing another thing that she did after our kids started going to ryerson school is basically every other friday night she would throw a great big pizza party for for anyone in the school who wanted to come so we'd meet in a park all these kids would come we'd have you know 80 people or so just hanging out at the playground eating pizza getting to know each other um and so, anyway, those are the types of things. Not going to go into to all of them, but those are a couple of things. And and out of that, out of her casting her wide net, a number of things start to happen. So for instance, there are uh, there's a family that wasn't attending church that now go to the church that we go to, uh, Toronto Community Alliance Church, who are part of one of these umbrellas. There's another family uh, who's from from one of the groups whose husband I'm just starting to get to know. And, uh, and he's someone who, who has a hunger to learn. He himself has read books about the Bible. And, and as I'm getting closer to know him more and more, the opportunity is going to come up to invite him to, to study the Bible together more and more. But also, jumping out of that, what I'm just starting to find now is I'm starting to interact and meet men who are going through really, really tough situations. And so I'm starting to ask now, like, what, what's my role in that? Um, through, through the, in these groups, so our kids go to pioneer camp, and at the school, we've been able to see a number of kids just go to camp with our kids through these relationships. Even one, one of the kids has a father who is a devout atheist. He hates anything to do with the church, but his son was able to go off to a Bible camp with our son because of relationships. And these are things, again, that anyone can do. Anyone can throw their arms open wide and just invite people in, invite people you know, into, into different communities where relationships can happen. The other woman, um, just trying to be quick here, the other woman has been walking now, so she's the one who's cast kind of her net deep. And she's been walking for about eight, nine years now with two kids from this local housing project. Um, and, and as she talks about it, when she first got involved in this, she didn't want to do it. it she kind of got pulled into it by an intern that I had had at, at Toronto Alliance Church. He had, he had started an after-school program, and there's a whole bunch of different things, and then she, they met up. He convinced her to get involved in it, and she started doing it without really being crazy about it, and, um, and I just want to read to you a few of the things. So just this week, I was kind of picking her brain about some of these things that, that she had done, And uh, it's just amazing, like, when we're willing to take the time to go deep with people, to give our time, I'm I'm convinced of this, that one of the greatest gifts that we can give to anyone in the world today is our time. We are busy. There is so much to do, right? It's one of the first things you hear when you meet up with people, how are you doing? Oh, life's so busy. But if we're really going to love people, we need to offer our time, and this is what What she does, Um, I just wanted to read a few things about what, what she said, because it hasn't always been easy. So she wrote me this, the beginning few years were horrible sometimes. They vandalized our church once, stole something, and even ran away from Sunday school without telling anyone, not fun times. And she goes on to say this, but slowly God just did his thing and worked in our hearts. Sometimes I secretly wished they were busy and didn't want to come out, but they would still come, and I'd realize that they thought hanging out with me was better than staying at home. They were growing up in tough homes, tough home situations, but not only tough home situations, living in that area of Toronto, in that, that project, there's certain expectations on young men, certain expectations on young women, and they didn't want to live with that, and so they would go. And then she writes, to be honest, food is central. They will almost always come out to eat. At meals, uh, I found was a great way to interact, especially as teenagers, because there's enough distractions and it's not a lecture. They could share as much or as little as they wanted about their lives. And so she would always try and pair pair a church event with with ministry. And it goes on like that. And through that, it was really amazing. This past summer, we sent uh, our our youngest daughter to to." camp at the church that they go to and one of these young women was a leader this year a leader in training at this camp so eight nine years of walking with these girls like twice a week picking them up at home taking them out for food taking them to church it's a huge commitment but she stuck with it week after week month after month year after year poured her life and her time and her money into these girls and out of it good things are coming Real relationship is happening. People interested in church. People stepping into opportunities to serve. Um. I how much I I know that time I forget how much time do I have? (laughs) I I need to. I think I'm feeling like I need to wrap up. Where are we at? I didn't bring a a clock or anything up here with me. So I got thirty. Hours? Minutes? Okay, here we go. I'll try and be quick here. So the, ne- the next bit of the passage goes on like this And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what's, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them out and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And it's really cool. That in the response to a question, Paul has the opportunity to, to share the gospel. Paul is ready to step into a conversation about faith. And, and this is another thing I find. It's like, something that everyone can do. Anyone can be involved in. Anyone can be ready to step into a conversation about faith. I mentioned how I was working at the kids' school. Well, one of the guys who works with me there, he's... Spent years just examining spiritual things, spent years meeting up with a Jehovah's Witness who would te- walk him through the Bible and teach him different things. And, and he stopped doing that, but there are other questions that he has. And he'll bring up these questions on a regular basis. And just while we're working, there are opportunities to just talk about the gospel, talk about the Bible, share passages with him. And he, he's open to that. But he had not, and, and this is something I'm finding really exciting now, he had not really been open to, to meeting up to study the Bible. Like, I'd offered him before. He wasn't interested. Well, my time at, at the school is coming to an end. And, and just this past week, I was talking to him, and I, I said, hey, like, he brought it up again. He's been watching The Chosen, that, that series that some of you may have seen. And, and that's been raising more questions. And I said, hey, you know what? Why, if you want, you know, we can get together. We can find a way to, to just look at faith from, from like, a Protestant perspective. And, and he's like, yeah. And he's open to it just because of a willingness to talk about Christianity, a willingness to talk about faith when the question comes up. Any one of us can be ready to answer questions, can be ready to, to, to meet up with people when, when those opportunities come. And then uh, last bit, the passage goes on to say this, then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And, and here, one of the things that strikes me, here, we don't read about this and, and it's a bit of you know, maybe creative thinking. But after he's baptized and he brings them up to his house, one of the things that happens around this meal is that there's now this opportunity for more interaction. There's opportunity to go deeper in conversation, and you got to wonder what did Paul and Silas talk about him and his family about? Well, years ago when I was working at Toronto Lines Church and, and doing the church plant, one of the things that that we noticed was that there were a ton, like a ton of people coming to Toronto for like a year to learn English. They had this, you know, desire to just come, pick up this language, and then go back home and, and see how it could further their, their careers or so forth. And so uh, one of the guys who was working with me at this church plant, he created what was called the English Conversation Cafe and put it online. And quickly, this group grew Like, you know, slowly up to 100 and then hundreds. And and so every night, just before we'd have our service and then just after we had our service, we'd have all these people from countries all over the world coming out, sitting around tables, talking, learning English. And then some of them would stick around for our services as well. There was uh, one man, Cherno, from, uh, from Senegal. He was a Muslim. And he became our sound man. At, at our church plan, even though he was a fully committed Muslim. But he loved what we were doing, loved listening to the singing, loved listening to the messages. And so he just got involved, and he would, he would come out. There was another young man from, from Japan, and he, you know, he would um, just, in particular for him, it was the music. He loved sitting down and just being at peace as these songs about God were, were being sung. And so we had the opportunity, as we looked at the needs that were around us, the needs that were there in the city, to to offer something, to try and meet a felt need. And and there was response, this incredible response to these felt needs. But as we responded to these felt needs, as we were loving people by meeting these felt needs, then a natural step for the Christian is to, you know, share this greatest news that we have. And so doors were open for that, too, to talk about Jesus. Um. I don't know. It kind of went all over. But what, again, what, what I wanted to do is to kind of throw out a few ideas that, that as I thought about this group that we have downtown, things that really anyone can step into. I think when we come to faith and God puts his Holy Spirit in us, there's something that changes. God creates a love in us that that we didn't have before and with that love comes the desire to to bless to to use the gifts to use the abilities to use the opportunities that god god gives us to to build his kingdom and i think there's so many things that that anyone absolutely anyone can step into and so as we're thinking about what we can do we got to be praying Pray for opportunities. Pray for friends around us. Pray for family around us. And again, that's a Sunday school answer, but it's a Sunday school answer for a reason. It is real. It is true. We have a powerful God who changes things. We need to be praying. Seek to know the gifts that you have. What are the things that God has given you that you can bless the world with, bless your community with? Because you're going to want to be using those things. Look for felt needs around you. What are the the questions that people are asking, or the things that people want, and how can you step in to to meet those needs? Cast nets not only deep, right? Go long term with people. Be willing to go long term with people, even if it's a great cost. But also cast them wide, that you can bring in people who are on the outskirts. Uh, be willing to talk about your faith when opportunities arise, but also create opportunities to talk about your faith. Enter into relationships with people, but most of all, do something. As I was talking to my friend who is meeting up with those those two girls over these eight years, one of the things she brought up more than once is, I don't know if this is the right way to do it. I don't know if this is the best way. You know, she's saying, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. I don't know if this is the best way. But it doesn't matter, right? God will correct that if he needs to. The point is she's doing something. She's blessing these kids who have this tough life. She's bringing them to the cross. She's showing them the love of an adult who wants to be involved in their lives. Maybe she's not doing it the perfect way, but that doesn't matter. She's doing something. Maybe you're doing something, and if so, great, keep it up. But if you're wondering, you know, maybe God wants me to be stepping out, I want to encourage you think about some of these ideas. Think about the people you regularly interact with. Think about the ways that God's been gifting you or giving passions to you about different things. And take a step, take a step, because God uses our little steps. God uses us in spite of, uh, you know, as Graham was saying, you know, why would he use me? Well, he does. He chooses to work through people. And if you're willing to step out, beautiful things will happen. Father, um, anyway, I kind of feel like <laughs> it's just been bouncing all over the place today, but I guess that's okay. I pray that you would renew a passion in each of our hearts, not only for you, but for people, for our neighbor that we'd be willing to step out in faith, to step out with courage, to step through the doors that you want us to step through, even if we don't necessarily have all the answers, don't necessarily have the best way of doing things. But show us the people around us that need your love, people around us who you want us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to, who you want us to talk to about faith. Build your kingdom. This world, this country, our cities need you desperately. Amen. We're going to move into a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to start by inviting you to just close your eyes and listening to these words from John chapter 6. Jesus here is speaking. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood He also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Well, Jesus gave us uh, this beautiful way to remember what he did and we all know that if we you know take a piece of bread and we eat it will maybe give us life for a few hours a day if we take some of the fruit of the vine and vine and drink it the same thing give us some life keep us energy keep us going but that food wears out it doesn't last forever but the food that Jesus gives us is different. He died upon a cross. His sin, our sins, our sins were laid upon him. And He paid the price for the things that we've done. We know that if we put our faith in Him, we're forgiven. Not only are we forgiven, but we're declared righteous. Not only are we declared righteous, but we're adopted into the family of God. Like, wow, the the living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, is our dad. These beautiful gifts that we receive. And they're ours when we eat the body of Christ, when we drink his blood. What does that mean? We don't actually grab a piece of his flesh and consume it. It's, it's faith. It represents faith. It represents trusting in, in what he has done. And if we put our faith in him, these things are ours. Adoption, being part of his family, justification, being declared righteous, being called perfect, sinless, being forgiven. And so we remember what he did that his body was broken by eating a piece of bread. We remember that his blood was spilt by taking a little cup and drinking it. And it's the gift for all who come to him in faith. So we're going to come around and take of the elements and return to your seat. Um, and why don't you do that? Um, I don't know exactly how it works, but if you could go around, yeah, come around, get the elements, come sit down, and then we will partake together afterwards. So, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together as we remember our Savior. In the same way, also we took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim that our Lord and Savior died for us, died for the sins of the world. Thank you, Father, for this incredible gift of Christ. Thank you for your love for the world, that even though we were your enemies and had turned our backs on you, you didn't stop loving. But you gave your Son for us. I pray that this week we would stand in wonder as we think about the cost, as we think about that love. And I pray that our minds and our hearts would not only seek you, but that we would spend our lives doing things that bring you joy, bring you honor, that point other people to this incredible news that point other people to the cross. Amen.